The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Career Day on the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to learn about the skills accumulated and lessons learned from a great marketer throughout the various stops on his career. Joining us for Career Day is a marketing executive at one of the best recognized and respected companies in the MarTech space. Shane Murphy Reuter is the SVP of Marketing at Intercom, which is a suite of customer messaging products that is used by over 30,000 marketers to drive growth at every stage of the customer lifecycle. Prior to his role at Intercom, Shane held both roles as a consultant and an in-house marketer in the mobile ad tech and communication industries, and we are honored to have him as our guest today. Here's my conversation with Shane Murphy Reuter, the SVP of Marketing at Intercom. Shane, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Great to be here, Ben. Big fan of the podcast and so really excited to be on today. I know no one can see this because this is a podcast. But I'm actually blushing. You are a listener of the podcast and an executive level marketer at one of the most notable MarTech companies in the world. I think uh, my job here is done. I, I think I've accomplished everything I want to now that you've been a guest on the show. It's great to have you and I'm excited to learn a little bit about your career. Great stuff. Yeah. As I said, big fan. So excited to get into it. Well, let's take it from the top. I'd love to hear how you got started in marketing. What drew you into this profession? I think like a lot of decisions in life, you look back on it and at the time it may not have been a very deliberate decision, but you're kind of looking at your options and you're pulled in one way. And when you look back over time, you realize that actually there was probably a motivation behind your decisions that you didn't quite realize. I in college studied business and law. That wasn't particularly deliberate. I didn't really know what I wanted to study in college. My parents were like, hey, go get a degree in business and law. You'll be employable. So I said, sure, I'll go do that. And, you know, as I was coming into my last year, it was a four-year degree, I started to like really question obviously what I wanted to do next. Most people were either going into law or into like a hard business discipline like finance or accounting. And, you know, creativity had been a big part of my life. I play a lot of music, do a lot of writing. So Procter & Gamble came to the university and they presented on, oh, look, this is what marketing is. And I thought, right, sounds like a good way for me to kind of marry up the experience I had in, in university with also adding sort of creativity to my profession. And so at that point, then 
just really applied to all of the what were at the time the kind of the top marketing graduate programs in mainly the UK. I was born in you can probably tell by the accent, born in Ireland, but really all the top marketing jobs in Europe were in London, certainly English speaking ones. So you started off without a marketing specific focus, but you were learning business and law. Two things that obviously are related to marketing, they overlap. Marketers are probably working with more lawyers today than ever before. Talk to me about what you learned from that education that helped prepare you for your role in marketing once you actually started in the working world. I think one of the things that has been a through line through my career has been trying to make sure that I understood areas adjacent to my actual role. What I mean by that is if I'm working with somebody in finance, I've always really tried to understand, like, how do they understand the world? So that it helps with obviously us work together. But also, I think as you get more and more senior, you wear two hats. One is your executive hat, and which is actually your primary hat. And the second one is your marketing hat. So in uh, university, one of the great benefits I had was of learning a wide range of different business disciplines, from strategy to finance to accounting. And the main things that I think I learned that helped me through to today are things like on the law side, very much structured thinking. Like law is all about take all of this random information and figure out what's going on and pick the problem apart. And it's a thought process that I use to this day. And then on the business side, one of the things I think that set me apart in my career as a marketer is that I've always been very literate in the other areas of business like finance or accounting. So it kind of sets you up less of this kind of fluff marketer, which certainly when I started my career, there was like a bit of a starting that divergence between fluffy marketing and and not. I think we call them brand marketers now. And (laughs) I'd say that, you know, nobody could see this either the air quotes that I'm using because I've positioned my consulting practice to be about brand development. But the idea of the creative marketer was what we all kind of thought of marketers, people drawing pretty pictures, right? Exactly. And for what it's worth, when I got into marketing because of that creative side, I 100% thought I'm going to become a brand marketer. I joined Orange, my first job, I might be getting ahead, but um, Orange were very much known for their brand marketing. So talk to me a little bit about that role. You transitioned from your educational experience to the working world at Orange, a well-known telecommunications company. What were you doing and, and what did you learn out of your initial entry into the workforce? So I joined Orange on their graduate program, which was actually a two-year program where you would rotate around the various disciplines of marketing. So you brand marketing, you do what we called segment marketing at the time, which was very much the sort of revenue ownership side of marketing. I worked in B2B marketing, product management you did for a while as well. So it was an incredible grounding and understanding what are the different disciplines in marketing, but more importantly, how they all work together in order to deliver business outcomes or whatever. And having the opportunity to join a graduate program was huge for me and foundational to this day. I I, I use that experience. So you went to a graduate program at Orange, but then you stayed on for a couple different roles and you were there for roughly two and a half years, really with your first in-house marketing role. When you went beyond your graduate program, what was that experience? Yeah, so I worked in what was called proposition marketing, which is most akin today to product marketing. Uh, Your job was to work with the product team, figure out what were the technological trends coming and how you could turn that into an overarching value proposition that you would sell to the customer. So a lot of pricing and packaging, a lot of brand strategy in there, but essentially your job was to take a product to market. So it's product marketing, basically. 
So I don't want to specifically bring up your age, but you are relatively young for a marketer of your experience and title. And a lot of the marketers that are executive level marketers, the SVPs, the CMOs of companies intercom side are, are a little older. And the traditional career path for those marketers is I worked at a CPG company in their brand development strategy and I owned a P&L. It seems like, you know, I'm assuming that we are kind of in the same age bracket. There is no P&G standard training program for marketers our age who are now becoming the executives. Talk to me about how Orange was foundational for you in guiding how you think about marketing. Well, I think there's a broader point here, which is important, which is that in my career, marketing has become exceptionally more diverse in the different disciplines that are within marketing. Like now you have all the gamut from a designer in the team to a technologist. And in my career, and I'm sure we'll get onto future roles in a second, I've had the benefit of happening to be in different roles that allowed me to get the experience in a lot of those different areas as they were emerging. What Orange specifically gave me the experience in was brand marketing. Orange went into a telecom space and they quickly grew to 25% market share through essentially going in with a more brand-led go-to-market. They very much talked about the emotion of the product rather than the actual technology itself. So it was a real grounding in how do you, rather than selling the technology, how do you actually sell on the emotional benefit of the thing that you're selling, which was a really big lesson for me as I've gone through my career. So eventually you move on from Orange and you had a cup of coffee as a consultant, a, a strategic consultant for communications and high tech at Accenture. It was a brief time, but you have the consulting experience on your resume. Talk to me what it's like solving other people's problems. That was probably the most challenging six months of my career. I think at the time when I was at Orange, we worked with a lot of consultants and becoming a strategy consultant, I'm using air quotes, was considered, you know, the top marketers were able to do that. I got the opportunity and I thought, absolutely, my mother would be really proud of me, right? I'm a strategy consultant at Accenture. And I happened to go in around the crash as well. And so after six months, they laid off half the team, which was actually a massive blessing in disguise. I was struggling big time in it. And I was struggling for a couple of things. When you go in, you don't have a team. You are a hired gun, essentially. And you're dropped into these new areas and you're expected to actually have a lot of experience in them. And, and you don't. And there's a lot of, frankly, smoke and mirrors. You know, you're kind of like pretending you know what you're doing and then going and copying somebody else's deck and trying to package it as your own work. And I just was really uncomfortable. I had massive imposter syndrome. So being laid off and obviously in Europe, laid off, you get a nice soft landing. It's not like in the U.S., so I took it. I was like, that's great. I tried it, didn't love it. And I'm going to move on and back into marketing. Obviously, you're put in some situations in a short period of time that you didn't feel comfortable with. What was the reason why you felt like you were an imposter? What actually made you feel insecure about the work you were doing? I think you're going into other people's businesses and they have real business problems. And they've hired you because internally they feel like they don't have the expertise to solve that problem. And so the bar is really high. Like you don't want to go in and pull the wool over their eyes or whatever. And I felt a very strong obligation to do a really, really good job. I think when you're in-house, 
you have a number of bites of the cherry. Like you can have a go at the project the first time and if it doesn't quite work out, you can go at it again. And, and you can kind of, a lot of the times, iterate to the right answer. When you're a consultant, you don't have that benefit. So I felt the pressure to deliver really high. And I was, to your point, I was very young. I think I was three years into my career. I was going to do the math. I'm like, it looks like you were a 24, 25 year old kid <laughs> who was coming in to help some executives figure out how to run their business. It's a big challenge. Very big. My biggest project was up in Scotland working on a customer service transformation project. Like, what do I know about whether or not you should outsource your customer services org or not? I've just spent the last three years selling telephones. <laughs> so yeah, it was a challenge. I've been an independent consultant, never working at a brand that is similar to Accenture. And, and there is some fake it till you make it aspect of every consulting relationship but until you've done it for a couple of years. I'm sure if you'd stayed more than six months or in your case, it hadn't been laid off, you would have figured it out and, and been very successful. Eventually, you moved on from your short stint as a consultant and you had a couple of roles that lasted for a year, year and a half. Talk to me about that mid-level of your career when you went from essentially being a sole operator to starting to get into marketing management. I think that that whole period, starting with my decision to leave Orange, is probably where I slowed down my career momentum the most. I had six months at Accenture. I got obviously a bit of a payoff and I did some independent consulting then for a period before going in back into telecoms in my first management role when I was heading up a, actually a P&L. I was, I was running a P&L for a telecoms company in London. And that was like my sort of step back into property thinking about marketing. And then I only did that for a year and a half because I decided I wanted to be back to Dublin. And so I had the decision to leave Orange sort of set up these quick succession of three roles where I learned a lot. But I think my succession, like had I spent three more years in Orange, for example, I think I would have you know, moved up the ladder more quickly, but probably wouldn't have afforded me the same opportunity to try different areas and figure out what I wanted to do. So I want to talk about the overlap of your personal life without getting too personal and your professional life. You mentioned you wanted to leave Dublin and there was some potential career sacrifice and then you decided you were going to move back. How did you balance the trade-off between what you wanted to accomplish personally and really what was the right thing for your career at the time? It was really difficult. Dublin is an amazing city and Ireland's an amazing place. It's small. Most of the brands that sell in Dublin have their marketing teams in London, for example. There are a small number of large homegrown brands like Paddy Power, which I actually ended up going to. Like the first step, obviously, was to reach out to some recruiters to figure out what was the landscape for potential roles. I had simultaneously made the decision that I wanted to move into digital marketing. It was a gap in my experience. It was exploding as a discipline. And I felt that if I didn't get on it now, when it was still nascent enough that I could get in early enough and learn it, that I might miss that boat. And so the role of Paddy Power, which is a pretty large brand in Europe, was really fortuitous that it was in digital marketing, it was in Dublin, and it was for a, a very well-respected brand. And so I didn't have to make that much of a trade-off. I don't know what I would have done had I not found that good job. Like, I actually don't think that I would have left. I think I would have stayed on in London longer until I found something in Dublin. So you were fortunate to find something that sort of met all the criterias from a personal and a professional perspective. You mentioned that from your career goals, you wanted to learn more about digital marketing. We're talking about early 2010s, 2012, 2013 was when you were at Patty Power. 
when you were trying to think about getting a role in digital marketing without digital marketing experience, what was the way that you were packaging yourself? Did you try to find another role and then transfer into a digital marketing role? Or did you just try to make it look like you had experience that was digital marketing and figure you'd learn on the fly? More the latter. To be fair, I did a course with the Chartered Institute of Marketing, which is the marketing body in the UK, um, in online marketing. So I was able to put that on the resume. I also did randomly scrum. I, I'm, a, I'm a scrum master. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. As I'm trying to figure out like, oh, I did like, you know, obviously the Google AdWords online. So I was certified in Google AdWords. I essentially tried to find what were all of the ways that I could and put things on my resume that made it look like, and also learn, obviously, it wasn't just like fluffing it completely, but that I'd be able to at least say that I have some experience here. So it's one of the things that I've talked to some people who are looking for jobs, who are interested in running an independent consulting business. And generally what I say is when you're starting to branch out on your own, you need to be spending 50% of your working time doing business development. Hopefully you have some clients that come on relatively quickly. You're going to be spending about 25% of your time. You just don't have a high volume of work to be able to you know, pay the bills. And then you have 25% of your time that you need to be doing professional development. And I think that this is a great example of, you know, I wanted to get into digital marketing. So I got a certification. I became a scrum master. Sounds like a black belt in organizational techniques. Yeah. And I, I did my Google AdWords certification. You can continue to develop your career and you could put bullets on your resume that help you get to where you want to be. That experience doesn't just have to come from your full-time employer. Eventually, you moved on with your head of online marketing, with your digital marketing experience from Patty Power, and you made a big jump, specifically coming overseas. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Talk to me about your experience when you moved to AdRoll. 
So I actually joined AdRoll in Dublin. I got the digital marketing experience and I decided that um, I wanted to get back into a role where I could now use all of the experience. It started my early career where I'd got kind of the more brand and product marketing experience. I'd now couple that with demand gen experience, particularly digitally at Paddy Power. And I was like, right, I'm ready to go and have a more broad marketing management role. And the opportunity to run uh, European marketing at um, AdRoll came up in their Dublin office. And to be honest, at the time, I was, a, I was a little bit like kind of enamored with the whole San Francisco startup thing. But I remember interviewing with the CEO and he was like, wait, so Paddy Power, you're managing 40 people, you know, $30 million of budget. You know, here your team will be like three or four people. Why, why do you want to come here? And I was like, no, no, I think it's a good opportunity. And it could actually have been a real career misstep. Had I not been fortunate enough, like I joined and I had thought that they were going to invest heavily in Europe and I'd be able to build out a bigger team. And it quickly, well, after I joined, became apparent that the investment wasn't really there. And um, I happened to get on really well with the CMO at the time and decided to put my head down for sort of nine months. And then at the end of the nine months, say to him, okay, look, this isn't what we originally agreed. And he said, I agree. We thought we could make more investment than we did. And so that's when he said, look, come out to the US and run Thomas Cole Segment Marketing, yeah. So talk to me about that relationship. You start at the company, you're, you know, green behind the ears in terms of the organization. It's also a new industry for you. How were you able to hit the ground running and also cultivate such an important relationship with your executive leadership? I had the benefit of coming in with a pretty broad range of experience. And so I was one of his few direct reports that could talk to him about marketing across the board, whereas his other direct reports were all pretty functional leaders. So he was able to maybe use me as more of a sounding board in various things, which allowed us to create a pretty strong connection very, very quickly, which was great. I think on top of that, it I was fortuitous just in the timing where I think he recognized that he needed to bring more leadership into the US. So there was a bit of kind of just luck, frankly, on the timing there. No good career goes without a little bit of luck. Uh, you moved from being a marketing director in the European market for ad role to a director of segment marketing and then into a VP role. Talk to me about the differences between being a director, a senior director, and then a VP, which happened to you in a relatively short period of time. What's the difference for you in terms of the scope of the roles by title? I think the difference between director and senior director wasn't huge. It was a bigger team, but you still had a head of marketing above you. You could work very closely with who understood your area, who was like a real mentor. The step from senior director into VP. So at that time, then my boss, who was one of the founders, decided to move on. And I stepped into leading marketing. That was a big shift. That was the first time where the book stopped with me when it came to marketing. And I'll admit that I probably had spent a lot of my career building like people thinking I was smart because I was pointing out issues with our marketing and other teams, which I'm embarrassed to admit now. But I look back and I think that a lot of the time people thought I was smart. I was like, because I was pointing out areas of issue. Well, yeah, give him the responsibility. He'll fix it. And then you're put in the seat and you realize there's a reason these things are issues. They're hard to fix. And I even see it in my team now. I see myself and other people in my team when I see them picking out going, well, that's wrong, that's wrong. And um, it's like, they are. And I try to make a real effort investing in them to pull them aside and explain, okay, well, if you were in my shoes, how would you solve this to make sure that I'm not creating more of me, <laughs> of these people who kind of think that if they just had the reins, it would be easy. Anyway, I think that was the biggest shift for me as I stepped into VP of marketing is that 
you suddenly lost the book stops with you and everything into marketing. And that's a big, big shift. So you went beyond just being the VP of marketing. You went into marketing and sales, running the VP of marketing and North American sales. Talk to me about how the overlap between marketing and sales has changed. And what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, that was a great opportunity for me. I talked to the CEO at the time about career progression, and his view was that, as I mentioned before, I was a pretty commercial marketer. I kind of run P&Ls and all of that. And his view was that my career path was more the COO, right? And as a result, taking on sales was a really important step in that journey towards chief operating officer. So got the opportunity to run North America sales, which is about 60% of our revenue at the time. And where he felt comfortable in giving me that experience was that a lot of the work that I had done on the marketing side was bringing marketing closer to sales in thinking about even like how do we report on marketing influence on pipeline, thinking about how do we partner with the SDR team in building you know, kind of outbound sequences. And so I got really close to the sales operation. So for him, it wasn't as big, I think, as big a step as I think for other heads of marketing where very focused on just like the brand or they're not really leaning into that sales partnership. It would have been a big leap of faith. It seems like that's a big change for primarily B2B MarTech companies is that, you know, in some cases, a CMO is actually going away and being replaced with a CRO, chief revenue officer, which is blending marketing and sales together. And I think that the combination of some of the MarTech tools, the personalization, the ability to run a marketing campaign that really speaks to the individual consumer, not just the broad collection of your target market, starts to overlap with what your SDR team is, which feeds into your rest of your sales efforts. Do you see a blending of marketing and sales continuing? I'm just curious to hear about your perspective overall with where marketing and sales overlap. I actually think that the marketing discipline itself is splitting. It's like diversifying. You have the brand and product marketing side, which is very focused on the message. And the skill sets there are very much storytelling and like a lot of creativity. And then on the other side, you have demand gen, which is highly technical. Finding a head of marketing who is able to straddle both of those is becoming increasingly difficult. I actually think it's also the reason that heads of marketing are sort of the shortest tenure of all of the C-suite. So what you're finding is that role is very difficult to fill. And so a lot of companies, what they're doing is taking the demand gen side of marketing and putting that in with sales and putting that under a chief revenue officer, because those things now you have all of the revenue accountable demand gen functions together, but leaving product marketing, brand marketing potentially separately, either reporting up in or with the head that reports into the COO as well. I like the way that you talk about some of the disciplines that are necessary for a marketer to understand. And I think about it in terms of like my grade school classes. Marketers today need to understand art. They need to understand science. They need to understand math. They need to understand language. You can't just be a specialist at one thing anymore. It used to be the marketers were creative. Now you have to be a data scientist, a creative. You have to understand the technology, the legal side as well. There's a lot that goes into being a marketer. Eventually, you decide that you're going to move beyond the role of marketing and sales, and now you're the SVP of marketing. I've never asked this question to anyone, but I have to hear, what the heck is the difference between an SVP and a VP? It seems like that's all the same thing. It's very similar. Like, In fact, the difference between VP, SVP, and CMO of marketing are all reasonably interchangeable. 
Sometimes it will delineate where they're reporting. So a lot of the time, the VP or SVP reports into COO, who reports into their CEO. I actually happened, when I joined Intercom, I was reporting into the COO, Karen Peacock. She's now the CEO. So sometimes it can show reporting lines, but typically speaking, it means you run marketing and the company just has a job titling difference. It's like at the director level, when you aren't quite ready to be a VP, then a lot of the times brands will call you the head of whatever your functional area is. And it is and also kind of akin to the senior director role. And to me, the SVP is that hybrid, like you're not a senior VP. I guess that is what an SVP is, but it is the hybrid before the CMO role. I never really quite understood that. Talk to me about what you're doing at Intercom today. I think it's a really interesting company. I think the brand positioning is special, but you're also in a very crowded market. Talk to me about what you do at Intercom and how you think about your marketing department. The thing that excited me about Intercom is that it truly was a company that understood all the different disciplines of marketing and the importance of them. Intercom cares deeply about the brand, which is actually quite rare for B2B companies, which I was really attracted to. And yet also driving our growth and revenue was really important as well. And so when I joined, actually, we had like product marketing was almost reporting to product. Brand was almost reporting to CEO and demand was almost reporting to the CEO. I was actually the first person. There was somebody before me for a short stint, but that ran all of marketing together under one org. And really what I've been trying to do in my time here is make the team start to work together as a team to elevate our marketing. In the past, we've been... We're a very product-led company, which means a lot of our marketing was more in our sort of messaging hierarchy, lower level, like the product feature messaging and product messaging. And we're trying to elevate it up a little bit to the overarching value proposition of why should you care about Intercom overall? So we've been doing a lot of investment in, in like a brand marketing team, which we've created um, to allow us to do those sort of things. I think probably the biggest challenge for us is we're known for the messenger. So we're known for this thing in the bottom right-hand corner of websites that you can chat to people with. And the main thing that we debate constantly and we're trying to figure out as a marketing team is the degree to which you lean into that as the thing that we hero in our marketing messaging and get people in through the thing that they understand us for and then expose them to everything that we do after that. I'll use an analogy. Tesla, longer term, wants to become a pg e it has a charging station, it's got batteries, it's got all these things. The car is the Trojan horse. And they've been very effective at starting with selling the car. But at some point, they'll start to transition their marketing to being the broader technology that they supply. So that's kind of the big thing that we're constantly figuring out is what's the right point at which we sort of transition that messaging. The company has lofty goals. It also has great market traction. When you think about your role as marketing leadership, you mentioned the first thing you needed to do was consolidate the team. What are the future goals for you from a career perspective at Intercom? I think career is all about momentum and you can get momentum either through your personal momentum within a company, you know, you start junior, you move up, or through the company's momentum. When I joined Intercom, I recognized that a lot more of my career trajectory would come through the company momentum. For me to grow at Intercom, I need to make sure that Intercom grows because then I can invest in the team, I can take on more responsibility. And so mainly right now, I'm focused on making sure that we continue to grow the business. And by doing that, we'll start to be able to invest in things like international marketing more so I can build out a more global team or invest in bigger budgets so that we can do bigger, more impactful brand marketing, for example. 
you can't say it, but I can. The goal sounds like it is to open the Dublin uh, office for Intercom so you can move back home. Funnily, we actually have about half the company already in our Dublin office. Oh. Yeah, so we already have that, which is great because I get to go home well prior to COVID four times a year to see my team slash family. Exciting. Hey, Shane, you mentioned before that you were reporting into the COO who recently became the CEO, which therefore makes her one of the most powerful women working in the MarTech industry. We're big fans of diversity and inclusion. Talk to me about your experience, obviously, working for a woman, working for somebody who is well-respected in the industry. And how does that relationship function? It's a great question because I think it's very timely. I'll admit that it's not something that I really thought much about. I will say that given the focus on diversity and inclusion in the world at large right now, I take some pride in the fact that our CEO is a woman. And I think that we as a company recognize that we need to do more around DNI. I think having her in that role sort of gives us an opportunity to do that now that she's new in, in, in role, sort of from first principles and really start from scratch and in making sure that our DNI strategy is as good as it can be. So yeah, I think, you know, I take a lot of pride from it, but I wouldn't say that I necessarily see any difference in my relationship with Karen than any other boss that I've ever had. Hopefully we can all get to that point where when someone says the question, hey, what's it like to have a female leader of the company when everybody could say, oh, I didn't realize uh, she was female. I never thought about it. We're, I guess we're all working towards that point. Uh, the last question that I have for you as you look back on your career, when you think about the young Shanes in the world, somebody that's, you know, in a different market, starting to think about building a career in marketing, then they have aspirations of being a CMO, of being a COO. What advice do you have for them based on your career experience? Yeah, I think my biggest advice would be, as I said, marketing is becoming so diverged in the different sort of skill sets that you need to have. And it's about going and learning all of those different areas. And that might mean that you'll move a little bit more slowly up the ladder. But what will mean is you won't hit a ceiling. And so if you optimize for speed up the ladder, you'll hit a ceiling pretty quickly because you have one type of experience. So take your time with it and grow into a CMO role. I think that is fantastic advice. And I wish somebody had given it to me as a marketing generalist, you know, a digital marketer and a content creator. Early in my career, I was very jealous of the specialists, the paid search operators that seemed to be flying through their career and getting promoted all the time. And now that I look back, you know, some of them have gone on to branch out and are successful marketers, but a lot of them are still functional area experts. So for the generalists out there, get broad experience, continue to work your way up the ladder. You can get all the way to the top, as opposed to sometimes when you specialize, you get stuck. There's only so far you can go. Shane, thank you for, at one point, being a sponsor of the podcast. I know I didn't mention that before, but through one of your agencies, for being a listener of the podcast, and for being our guest, it's been a, a privilege to hear about your career. Cheers, Ben. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed chatting with you. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Shane Murphy Reuter for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Shane, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is Shane Murphy, which is spelled S-H-A-N-E-M-U-R-F-Y. Or you could visit his company's website, which is intercom.com, I-N-T-E-R-C-O-M.com. 
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.